Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste! The laws of the universe generate weirdness. Weirdness is truly the ultimate, uh, what's the word? Well, everything. Increasing weirdness. This is entropy. This is what entropy is. And if you don't expect weirdness, you're going to be disappointed or you're going to be hurt. Um, say if you go against the law of gravity, you get hurt, right? If you, if you try to fly without some sort of aerodynamic lift or whatever, you've got magnetic levitation, something or other that actually works with the laws of physics. If you try to fly without working with the laws of physics, you're going to get hurt. Well, it's the same thing in thinking, in a mindset. If your mindset isn't logically expecting weirdness in some form, then your thoughts are going to be painful. And this is what a lot of um, the best sort of uh, psychological counseling folks, as well as uh, more spiritual guide type people um, emphasize, which is that the, the reality that we experience is never going to be as we expect, unless we expect weirdness. That's why we have Zen koans. They try to teach you to sort of think about things in a way that explores the weird. Now, the, the more traditional Buddhist Zen koans are, you know, not as weird as one might think. But, um, but the general idea is to encourage you to explore all the possibilities of reality, all the possible combinations of um, what can and can't happen. And I, I love the, the Byron Katie approach to it. Um, that was sort of the beginning of what I understood. And then there was a book that I got on neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, um, that that uh, I got it out of an MIT library. And there were only a couple books on L NLP in the library there, the humanities library, I think. Um, and uh, <laughs> that was the book that my husband, I gave to my husband when I, when I went off to California to return for me because he worked at MIT. He actually worked for the libraries. And I, I gave it back to him to return when I went out to California um, for a little while. And he <laughs> he was supposed to return it like within a few days. And he like apparently kept it for like six months and they charged him like $100. And it was that was kind of funny. But I think he eventually returned it because um, my card was okay after a while. Um, but anyway, he... Uh, 
the this book this this writer in the NLP book um talked about a couple of things and I'd heard about this before one of the things called chunking which is um when you sort of when you have a higher level category of something and so you try to make something more general and more general and more general until you can sort of understand it a little bit better um so you start with something very specific say that you some some idea that you have and then you generalize it into a bigger category say say you're saying well you know okay uh here's a good example is um and and this actually goes to the byron katie stuff too um you say a statement like uh i wish he paid more attention to me um and then you make that more general you know this is something that's bothering you this is a thought that's bothering you and you make it more general by saying i mean you can go in any direction you want with that statement but um for example you could say i need more attention you know taking out the specific individual that you're talking about and just saying that i need more attention from somebody just in general um and then you can generalize that even more to say i need someone to pay attention to my fill in the blank you know whatever whatever i guess that's more specific but um in the idea of generalization um we could say something like yeah i guess that would be too specific you could say um how would you go up from that? Hmm. You get to listen to Turl think. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. I need more attention. Um, what would be the more general form of that? Would be... Um, I have needs, I guess, maybe? Um, I have relationship needs? might be a more general form of that that works i have some you know interaction needs with other people that works um, and then you can keep going on and generalizing until you sort of understand where you are and then you can go back down um, and be more specific so that maybe you can meet you can you can answer the question or solve the problem or get the need met or whatever at a slightly different place that still serves that that higher that, that more general um, whatever it is statement question need whatever it is um, so in that case you know if you have relationships needs you've generalized it to the point of I have relationship needs or interaction needs with other people then you can say okay so I don't need to get them from this person right now I don't need attention from this person right now this person is not available. I'm either SOL or I find another way to get what I need by generalizing it and saying, okay, I have relationship needs right now, interaction needs with someone else. I can go, you know, wander around and find someone else and see if whatever they can offer me meets my needs in some way, um, which is what I've done with my husband. Um, I have not been able to be with my husband for, yeah, it's almost a decade now. 
um, as insane as that sounds. Um, but, uh, what I've done is I've, since he hasn't been available, I found ways to get my relationship needs, or at least, you know, some of them, met in other ways by interacting with other people. And I've certainly fallen in love with other people, for example. Um, but I've done it in a way that's different from how I'm in love with my husband. Um, my my relationship with my husband is different than other people, my relationship with other people, but I can still get a lot of the same needs met, you know, through those other relationships. For example, I can tell my stories to other people. I can share my life with other people. I can um, help other people. I can get help from other people. And so a lot of what my husband was able to do for me um, when I was with him, when we were together, physically, you know, emotionally, I'm able to get in other ways, which, you know, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of people never even find their, you know, soulmate, partner, whatever. So they get their needs met in other ways. I mean, nobody gets all of their needs met ever. I mean, that's just not possible. In a, in a perfect world, a perfect world, you know, there is no perfect world. In a perfect world, nothing would change. Well, that's not our reality. Our reality is change. Okay, so anyway, so I had this um, this understanding of the, uh, the more generalization of things. And the other thing that this book offered was a way to, um, and again, this goes back to the Byron Katie stuff, um, if you if you break a sentence down into its, you know, the most basic sentence, three main parts, you have a, a subject, a verb, and an object, or even just a subject and a verb, um, you can flip each of those things to be a positive or a negative, um, depending on how you said the sentence. So if you say, I don't want X, the I is the subject, the, the don't want, is the, well, want is a verb, but don't want negates the want, um, and then X is the object. So you can flip all of those things around, each each of those, well, in that case, three parts, um, and then that gives you the variety of all possible options. Um, so if you say, I don't want pickles, and I usually say pickles anyway, but yes, I did just watch a video with pickles in it. Um, <laughs> I guess I was thinking about that video, but I also just say pickles a lot because pickles is a good word to say when you're looking for a randomish word, arbitrary word. Anyway, so if you say, I don't want pickles, you can break that down into, um, Let's see, there, there's three of them. Don't ask me to do the math. I'm not going to do the math. We can, we'll figure it out. Um, you can do, uh, you can reverse the I and you can say you. You don't want pickles. So is that a possibility? Um, then you can reverse the middle bit, which is the verb, and you can say do want. Uh, so you could say I do want pickles. 
or you can say you do want pickles or you can say I don't want pickles or you can say you don't want pickles so now we've got four and then we've got one more that we can negate which is gonna make eight yes we did the math and that is <laughs> and then this is where it gets kind of funny especially in that when we're gonna have a double negative in there but don't worry about it it's okay um, it's just a little bit of logic so we can say um, oh the 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 reversal of pickles is not pickles or we can say anything other than pickles if it makes it easier if we, we want to avoid that double negative in there um, so we can say I don't want pickles I don't not want pickles I don't want not pickles <laughs> which would be I want pickles so we've got that double negative in there making it positive but we can also say I don't want anything other than pickles same thing same meaning um, and then we can go through and generate all four of those which is you don't want not pickles uh, you do want not pickles otherwise known as you want something other than pickles and I do want not pickles and I do not want not pickles <laughs> so anyway you get the idea so there's this process where we can generate other possibilities that are near the original idea so this is where weirdness comes from so this is a basic way of thinking about the weirdness anyway that is helpful I think where you have you have your original idea of what should happen what will happen what might happen whatever you have your, your basic idea hi doodle the dog would like to say hi he's trying to come in uh, that's my nickname for him doodles because his real name is cartoon and uh, so he's a doodle because he's a dude and he's a cartoon and I I'd love to have him say hi but I'm not gonna do that right now um, also this is on audio so you can't really see him and, and he's much more interesting to look at it's a little cocker spaniel and he's kind of crazy he's locked in a basement for like seven years or something like all by himself and starved and poor thing but he's a total sweetheart um, Anyway, so you can you can take your original idea of what you think is going to happen or what you think should happen or whatever and or what you think should have happened maybe even but let's focus on the future right now because um, I'm mostly future focused here. So we can say um, in the future uh, a certain candidate should win, right? That's a big popular thing that happened recently. So many people thought a certain candidate was going to win. And not just talking about the United States, but, you know, all over. Uh, a certain referendum was going to pass. Um, whether or not we were taking statistics or whether or not this is what we wanted. Um, whether, you know, whether you're trying to do it subjectively and just saying, this is what I want to happen. Or whether you're trying to do it, quote, objectively and saying, well, this is what the science and the statistics and the math says should happen. 
and they were all wrong. Well, not all of them, obviously, but there were a lot of people were wrong. So in order to not have that happen in the future, we have to plan for weirdness. We have to expect the weirdness. And the way we can do that in a realistic, scientific, logical way is by taking the original idea and then taking either one of these processes, either the moving up and generalizing and then coming back down to more specifics, other specific things that could happen that are related, um, or we can do it in the, the more you know, grammar logic sense of taking the statement and breaking it down. Um, obviously, you're not going to get much variety if you do it in a super simple way as far as, you know, Hillary Clinton is going to get elected. You know, that's not going to generate much creativity in understanding the weirdness of the world. Um, but that's how you start. Uh, for example, I, I, um, I, oh, what is that thing called? It keeps getting advertised on Reddit. Um, there's this, UNU UNU I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce it um, but the idea is that it's a sort of a, a crowdsourcing or, or it's more of a quote democratic voting approach to make to, to predicting things so they ask a whole bunch of people a question um, that has multiple choice answers and then they allow those people to influence one another while they're voting they get to see what everybody is voting and it's sort of like a Ouija board like with a bunch of people's hands on it and eventually it ends up in one answer it really is very actually the way they illustrated it um, visually on the website while you're doing it, it really does look like a, a Ouija board with a bunch of people's hands on it and eventually the little pointer you know enough people push enough people in a certain direction that it ends up on an answer. It's actually, a, I'm guessing it's a lot like um, what happens in a, a court, in a jury trial, uh, where you've got a whole bunch of people influencing one another. I mean, it happens a lot in, in committee, you know, committees making decisions. Uh, not so much consensus, but, but sort of pressure, peer pressure, and they called this crowdsourcing, but it's not crowdsourcing. That's not how the mathematics of statistics of, of crowdsourcing actually works. Not crowdsourcing, but the, the wisdom of the crowds concept in mathematics, where if you get enough people to give a mathematical answer, say, you know, the, the number of jelly beans in a jar kind of thing, you know, no, you get enough people answering that question and making guesses, um, the average of that answer is going to be very close to the actual answer. Um, that's what they call the wisdom of the crowds. Not really crowdsourcing, but the wisdom of the crowds as far as, you know, everyone's got an opinion, and if you average all the opinions together, you get a pretty good picture of reality. You know, it's, it's like adding up all of the perspectives of an architectural building. You know, you, you add the side view and the top view and the inside view and the outside view and you end up getting the big picture uh, sort of triangulation that's another term for it it's another way of looking at it um, but this this UNU or UNU or whatever it's pronounced um, process 
was trying to predict the outcome of the elections before it happened in the United States, the presidential elections. And I kept looking at them and saying, you don't have enough options there. You don't have even close to the like possible combinations of what might happen. In, in most of them, they only had two answers, either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. I was like, well, first of all, there are other people running. Um, I mean, yes, it's a low probability, but you should put them there anyway, because, you know, if you want a fairly realistic, uh, you know, test of what people are thinking, you actually want to put those other options there that are real options. Um, but they also didn't have any outcome for a contested race, which we, we did actually have. I mean, it ended up being not terribly contested, but it was contested and there was, there was quite a lot of movement towards contesting it. Um, and so I said, you know, if nothing else, you have to put at least that there's going to be contested race on there, that it's, we're not going to have somebody step into office exactly when we expect it to, or the outcome is not going to be known for a while, or maybe we'll never know. But in order to generate these other options, um, this process of thinking, and again, this goes back to Byron Katie, um, her own process does a very similar thing to that sort of the one that I said where the, the grammatical logic where you flip each one um, the idea is that you you get some more specifics and then you the specifics open up more generalities and that's where the um, the sub I mean the object of the sentence when I said pickles you know I don't want pickles um, the object of the sentence, when that gets reversed, you get a much broader category, not pickles. And you can take that in any direction you want. So that's how, that's one way of getting there. That's not a, a super helpful way because not pickles is everything else in the universe, in existence, in reality that we can imagine. Um, but if you start there and then you sort of work your way out, you can say, well, what are not pickles? Well, maybe cucumbers. If you don't want cucumbers, I mean, if you don't want pickles, how do you feel about cucumbers? Maybe cucumbers work for you. Uh, maybe it's just the, the salty vinegary thing that you don't like, but the cucumbers are fine. Um, or maybe you want uh, relish instead of pickles because you don't want the pickle being pulled out you know, it's, it's large and it ends up getting pulled out by your teeth and then there's just like crazy giant pickles sticking in your mouth and it's too much. So you want ra uh, so you want relish instead so that it's sort of more evenly distributed. Um, this is where a little bit more creativity comes in, but that's what your brain does. Your brain is creative. If you're listening to this and understanding it and you're not a computer, <laughs> um, although I'm not sure what a computer would think if it was thinking it was understanding something. But anyway, um, then you you have a creative mind, so you can come up with other possibilities. And we can do that in, in any way that we want, uh, but these are just two options that I thought, that, that I'm aware of that are sort of mathematically based. Um, the chunking one, which is where you take something specific and you keep generalizing categories above it, um, include it, and then you start coming back down to see if you can actually get something functional in that uh, in, in a slightly different way um, 
that's actually Pascal's triangle, so which is what I talk about every single time I talk about anything important. Um, it's just a triangle of organizing all the possibilities of everything, all the combinations of stuff. So if you look at Pascal's triangle, you can sort of chunk things up and down, and you can see how you can, you know, get somewhere more productive if you've got a roadblock in one direction. Um, going down, you can go back up a bit, you know, step back a bit, and then go forward again, you know, in a, in a more specific way that's nearby. Um, so yes, yeah, so you can generate these, these other possibilities of reality. Um, and if you do that beforehand, if you do it before something happens, you can far more easily predict what's likely to happen. Because then you can actually map it. You can say, well, there's a good possibility of this happening. And there's a good possibility of that happening. There's a very low possibility of something else happening, but it might happen. And if you start mapping out a bunch of these different options, um, you make a little bell curve of what's likely to happen and what's, you know, possible of happening, but not likely, then you're going to be more prepared for the future. Because you're going to see the future in uh, more like a tree format. You're going to see or a, a, a river delta, you know, sort of expanding outward. You're going to see all the possibilities. And this, interestingly enough, and on topic, or topical, I should say, um, is how computer programs, algorithms, artificial intelligence, what have you, are able to play games like chess so well. Because what they do is they look at all the possibilities of each move that they could make right now, and they see which one is the most open-ended but still gets them towards where they want to go. Um, and even a better example of this is a self-driving car, where an algorithm is looking at um, the path that it wants to go, you know, what's, wants to get from point A to point B. And you, you put that destination in there, and you, it knows where it is right now, and it, it maps the best, the most the path that has the most options for getting to the end goal. It doesn't just map a straight line path, or it shouldn't anyway, if it's doing it right. Um, and, and this is not how, this is how the chess games work, at least. I'm not sure how they're programming the, the uh, self-driving cars, but the chess ones, which, um, as you may have heard, uh, I think it was just today, they announced that the, they replayed some, um, some chess championship or something and secretly they had entered an updated version of Google's um, oh not chess I'm sorry it wasn't chess it was Go it was the game of Go chess they've done a long time ago uh, it's the same concept though um, it was Go the, the world championship of Go players I guess or something and it turned out Google had secretly entered their AI or their algorithm into it and it had, it had, like, beaten everybody just 100%. and had no losses. And so what it does is it looks... It makes a decision to take the... To make the next step move that has the most possibilities for achieving the goal. Um, 
So for example, if you want to climb up a mountain, there are many different ways of getting up the mountain. There are many different paths. I mean, we're presuming this is a sort of normal mountain, you know, that has, whether they be roads or paths or just open-ended space that you can walk up. You want to take the you want to take the path that's going to give you the number, of, the best number of options so that in case something happens to one of the paths, uh, in case there's a tree falling down or river overflowed or whatever, uh, fire happened, whatever, um, that you still have other options. And of course, this just means you want to keep your options open. But this is literally the logic of it, the algorithm of making decisions of what you're going to do next based on leaving yourself as many options open in the in the future. And that's the same thing with your thinking. It doesn't just work in like physical space and with games, it actually just works with your thinking. If you leave yourself open to thinking about what might happen all the different possibilities or as many as you can cram into your little head, your cute little fuzzy head, then you can, you can be better prepared for the future. Um, you know, this is diversify, but don't just diversify what you're doing, diversify your thinking as well. Diversify your expectations so that you are prepared for weirdness because weirdness is what reality does. Entropy is the, is the process, well, the same as evolution. Entropy and evolution are the same thing, um, same concept. It's the process of taking something, splitting it up into smaller pieces, and then recombining those pieces in different ways, in new ways. So you generate smaller things, but they're more complex. So if you start out with a big blob of, say, black Play-Doh and a big blob of white Play-Doh, and you split those two balls in half each, and then you recombine them so that uh, on one side you've got just a ball of black, you, you recombine them with whatever is adjacent to them. So you, you lay out the four balls in a row, so you have... You have two black balls and then two white balls all in a row. You know, black, black, white, white, white. Sorry, black, black, white, white. And then you combine them with their adjacent neighbors. This is sort of like um, cellular automata, but it's not... There's probably a way to describe it, and from what I've grasped, someone has done it with cellular automata, but I'm not sure how that works, given the rules of cellular automata. I, I don't really quite know how that works when you combine things. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's similar to cellular automata, if you've heard of that, the game of life, Conway's game of life, which generates uh, what looks like complexity, complex behaviors with exceedingly simple rules. Um, you start with, you know, a row of black or white squares or whatever you whatever you have you can start out with whatever you want um, and you just generate you have a little very 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 simple algorithm for how you generate the next level and this is what I see the universe does they're very simple rules 
and there so you're breaking these two things apart the the, the balls of clay and then you're recombining them with their neighbors so there's nothing on to the left of the black the small the first black ball um, so it combines with nothing so it stays the same you add it to nothing it stays the same so you have one small black ball and then in the the next black ball has an adjacent neighbor of the white ball and so you combine the black and the white balls in the middle and you get a gray ball a nice perfect medium gray and then on the right hand side you have another little white ball and it combines with its neighbor which is nothing on the other end of the line and so it stays the same so you end up having one small black ball one larger gray ball perfectly medium gray and then one small white ball and that's that's how we've generated a new set of things a new moment in time has just been generated with these two simple rules of dividing something in half and then recombining it with its neighbor um, and that's complexity and that's evolution and that's entropy and that's what just keeps happening over and over and over again as far as I can tell and this generates randomness but it's pure randomness it generates every possible combination so as you go down these rows as you keep generating smaller and smaller things and keep recombining them in new ways you generate all the possible combinations of things so all the grays that are ever possible in existence end up getting generated and of course black and white are in reality are actually colors so when you split up pure light and pure darkness you end up getting all the possible light waves ever in existence as you keep generating this complexity um, as entropy keeps moving through time so that generates weirdness every possible combination of reality gets tried once depending on how you're looking at it it sometimes gets tried multiple times for example humans we are we're the same type of thing but each one of us is slightly different so there's sort of categories of things and I, I can explain that in another one but um, the idea is that that you know there's there are different ways of making because they're they end up being um, not quite digital but sort of digital so the, the grays that get generated um, you can look at them in different ways it could be um, that middle gray that we've generated which is a combination of black and white together you can combine them in two different ways you can start with the white and add black or start with the black and add white and with play-doh that doesn't make much of a difference but if we're talking about particles of matter and energy that does make a difference uh, I'm not going to go into that and I don't even know exactly how I would go into it right now but <laughs> um, but th that's the gist of things that order matters um, when you order your genes, um, you know that makes a huge difference where your genes are in the in the process of generating things. You know the order of the the various little little bits of your genes uh, makes a difference as the directions are being read. Sort of like if you make a a, a recipe uh, out of a recipe book. You know, this, oftentimes the order can make a big difference when you mix things together. So, in reality is not totally like Play-Doh. <laughs> uh, 
but anyway, so yes, so this this idea of expecting weirdness and working with it and predicting it and using your your algorithms, generating some kind of algorithm in your thinking that allows you to either logically or even just, you know, naturally, randomly, arbitrarily, whatever you want to call it, unconsciously, come up with a whole variety of possible outcomes um, for what might happen or what you might want. You know, either using the more logical approaches that I just discussed, the two ways of, of either going from specifics to general and then back down again, or using the, the logical, grammatical, sort of flipping things around um, to generate the different sets. Either using that or just, you know, letting your mind sort of run with it and just coming up with all kinds of brainstorming, you know, possibilities. Um, any of those approaches will help you be more comfortable real with reality and be more capable of working with the laws of the universe. Because ultimately, the laws of the universe are the only things that you really need to care about. The only things that you're working with. I mean, we come up with all of these other laws and rules, you know, for playing certain kinds of games. And I, I do promise I'm going to do one on money very soon. Um, which is one of those artificial games that doesn't... I mean, of course, it, it obeys the laws of physics, ultimately. But on the small scale, you know, we try to say that things should obey certain laws. We try to force these artificial rules and whatever regulations on these subsystems of reality. And we always end up getting hurt. Eventually. We always end up not being able to predict what's going to happen and thus falling flat on our faces because we're trying to fly without actually respecting the laws of physics. <laughs> so, yeah. So pay attention to the laws of physics. They're the only laws that really matter. And using those laws, try to generate the probabilities and the 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 unexpected stuff that may not be the most probable thing, but eventually will happen. So you should expect that weirdness. So learning to expect weirdness, learning to predict weirdness, learning to generate thinking that allows you to work with those laws of the universe, which are ever-increasing weirdness. I guarantee it. Unless you're dead. Or unless you somehow turn into, you know, a god, pure light, goddess, something that, uh, that exists outside of our universe and no longer has to worry about entropy or something, or can look on it. Uh, unless you're one of those two things, you're still alive, you're still going to be in this messy, weird, ever-increasing entropy randomness of a universe, and uh, you're going to have a whole lot more fun if you can, you know, work with that. Right? So, enjoy the randomness. Learn to embrace it. Learn to predict it. Learn to expect it. And, uh, may the weirdness be with you. Right. 
I'll leave you with that. If you want to get in touch with me, as always, um, my email is thewiseturtle at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-I-S-E-T-U-R-T-L-E, just like it sounds, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L dot com. You can find me on Reddit under the username Turl, T-U-R-I-L, that's my real name. Um, so if you go to reddit.com slash user slash T-U-R-I-L, that's me, you'll see everything I post there. And please stalk me, I'm happy to have people read me, <laughs> although a lot of this stuff may be very boring, because periodically I get into a lot of TV shows that you might not be interested in or whatever. Um, happy to have you come there. I'm also started, I've started a community there called uh, the Unex... The, the Examined Life The Examined Life uh, community. So you can get there by going to reddit.com slash r slash the examined life. And that's going to be sort of an open-ended philosophical community because of course our philosophy on Reddit is like it's run by obsessive compulsive control freaks who don't actually want you to you know learn anything or think about anything uh that they don't like so uh i don't recommend it i mean it's fun to pop over there and see what people are saying but it's uh nearly impossible to participate in any fun and meaningful way so uh so i started the examined life i've also got my holistic enchilada community there which is where i post whatever i want to post and anybody else is welcome to post there, although the goal is sort of, you know, learning about, learning and exploring about the universe. Um, and I'm also, last but not least, I'm trying to start a, uh, a Twitch stream, sort of live streaming, uh, interactive philosophy workshop, salon kind of thing where I can talk to people. Um, I'll be live broadcasting and then there's a little chat thing that you can participate in as well. Um, you can ask questions and it's and it's all just done via text. There's there's no audio needed so you can pretty much do it on any computer um, as long as you can load video and chat at the same time which my computer occasionally can't do <laughs> um, even when I'm streaming. So we'll see how that works. I did post one little test video up there that I've saved that you can look at um, but I'm hoping to do it. I might do them on Sunday nights although I I was actually thinking of doing one tonight, but I ended up doing this instead. Um, but I'll also try to announce ahead of time when I'm going to do one of those, either on my Twitter or uh, maybe on Facebook and certainly on Reddit. Um, I'll let people know, hopefully ahead of time, that I'm going to be doing that. And I would love you all to participate, uh, either lurking or asking questions or whatever. So anyway, um, thank you for listening and I uh, wish you well in predicting and embracing the weirdness that it is our universe increasingly even more so okay namaste